uh, we have an exciting day ahead of us here. It's always exciting to come together as the body of Christ, to fellowship together, to minister to one another, to see what God is doing. When we're together, share about what God is doing in your life. I want to hear it. Others want to hear it. What is God doing in your life? And uh, if we ever get to the place in our walks where we could say to ourselves, I'm not sure what he's doing. We need to sit back and we need to say, Lord, show me what you're doing in my life. Let me hear. Let me see what you want to do with my life. And so, but this morning we're going to um, have a, we finished Revelation. Wow. A lot of weeks. I think it was probably 50 weeks. I don't know what it was. It was a lot. But we're going to be moving into a, a, another time for our church here. And, and I shared with you last week that I was going to have a special message. I didn't even know what the special message was last week. But this is what the Lord has laid on my heart uh, for today. I did some reading in the book of Matthew's gospel in chapter 8, <clears throat> and the title that the Lord put upon my heart was Following in the Steps of Jesus. And I, as I was thinking about my own life, my own following the Lord, I remembered the first time a brother in the Lord came to me. His name was Russ Whalen. And he asked me if I would go out street witnessing with him. I was 23 years old at the time. I remembered the first Bible study that I led. It was in our home on Friday nights to a group of young adults in Bellflower, California. That was in 1984 that we started that young, young adults Bible study. I remember the first time I heard an invitation to go to the mission field, to go on a missions trip, and it was to the Philippines. I went with Calvary Chapel, Moreno Valley in 1987. It was my first missions trip that I'd ever gone on. I remember the first person that I led to the Lord. It was in 1979, it was at work. His name was Dennis Marinello. And I remember when I was asked to teach a small group Bible study in our church on Sunday evenings in 1988. And I did that for 15 years in that church. I remember when I was ordained and asked to come on staff at Calvary Chapel, Moreno Valley as an assistant pastor in 1997. I remember when God called myself and my family to go to Wales in the UK to plant a church in 2002. 
and we were there for six years. I remember hearing God's call upon myself to come with my family to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to plant this church in 2010. And we're going on 13 years now as a church. I just was considering my own walk. It's a good thing for us all to do, consider our walk. Consider our steps, we might say, as we're following the Lord. Remembering what God has done, what God wants to do in our lives, still wants to do. Following in the steps of Jesus may not be the same path for all of us. We all have a different pathway and a different walk that the Lord puts us into. But we all should be walking and taking steps in following Jesus. That's the life of a believer. It's the life of following in the steps of Jesus. We know that 1 John 2.6 tells us that the person that says he abides in Jesus, in other words, the person that says that they know Jesus and they stay close to Jesus should be the person that walks even as he walks. You see, he's our role model. He's the one that we look to. He is the one that I want to follow in his steps. And it's not always easy, is it? Following in the steps of Jesus, walking as he walked. But he's our example. You can look in Matthew chapter 3 in your Bibles. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, we read that Jesus was water baptized. We're told that Jesus came from Galilee to John the Baptist at the Jordan and was baptized by him. 30 years old. Being water baptized, Jesus in obedience to the will of his father was, went out to the Jordan that day to be water baptized. Those of you that have never been water baptized, you've given your life to Christ but you haven't followed through with water baptism, it's a command. You need to be water baptized. We have that sheet on the back table. Sign up for it. In chapter 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. We read in 4.1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus also began his public ministry in chapter 4, verse 17. It's, it tells us from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In chapter 4, verse 22, Jesus began calling his 12 disciples. We're told that when Jesus called them in verse 22, that these Four men that they immediately, they left their boat, they left their father, and they followed after Jesus. Immediately. 
It wasn't a question to leave their stuff and to even leave their family to follow Jesus. And then we read in Matthew 4, 23, it says that Jesus, he went about all of Galilee, that whole region of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went out through all of Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes, were told, followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Jesus' ministry was beginning to spread from all the regions about. As I was looking at these various passages, it made me think again, and I wondered what it would be like to actually walk right next to Jesus in ministry. To follow in the steps of Jesus, like those disciples did. What would that be like? We go on in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 with that Sermon on the Mount. Maybe one of the most important teachings of Jesus. We're just finishing that up. Pastor Kyle is on Wednesday night here. But we read in chapter 5, verse 1, that Jesus Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and were told, then he opened his mouth, and he taught them. A ministry of teaching, a ministry of preaching, a ministry of healing. That's what Jesus did here on earth for those three and a half years. We then come to chapter 8 in our text this morning. And we're told in verse 1 that Jesus, that he came down from the mount that day where he had given that sermon on the mount. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand, we're told, and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. A leper. Whenever you see the word behold in scripture, we might put it this way, out of nowhere, all of the sudden, there's this leper that is falling down in front of Jesus and begins to worship him. And saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what we see here is that Jesus was willing. Jesus desires to heal. Jesus desires to forgive. Jesus desires to work in people's lives. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. 
We're told in verse 5 that that same day Jesus entered into the village of Capernaum. That home base town. The place that Jesus ministered out of. Capernaum. It was a small village that was there on the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus had entered Capernaum, we're told that a centurion came to him, this Roman soldier, pleading with Jesus, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And then look what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. That easy. That quick. That willing. I'll come and I'll heal him. And what I see as I'm looking at this life of Jesus and his walk, as I see this ministry of love, a ministry of compassion for souls, for people. I see this willingness in Jesus to touch lives. And what I see in Jesus is that he's always ready and he's always willing to minister. We're called to walk as he walked. We're called to ready ourselves to be used of the Lord. We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be led of the Holy Spirit in our walks with Christ so that we may not miss an opportunity to be used of Him. But quite often we find ourselves lacking compassion. We find ourselves unwilling to go the extra mile. Unwilling to just get out of our comfort zone. But we're called to walk even as he walked. To walk in the steps of Jesus is not always easy. But I can tell you through my own experience that it's the most blessed, happy, fulfilled thing that you will ever do. That same day, we're told in verse 14, Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother, Peter's mother-in-law, that she was lying sick with a fever. So Jesus, we're told, he touched her hand and the fever left her. And then we're told that she arose and she went to her room to rest for a while. I didn't see anyone question me on that. You should. It doesn't say that. It says that she arose and she served them. You got to be looking at your Bibles. And if a pastor gets off, you got wait a second, that's not what my Bible says. She arose and she served them. 
It's an amazing thing, isn't it? To see a person who's been touched by Jesus, how they turn from serving self to serving others. It's a, it's a miracle of God. God takes these, these vessels, takes these just mere humans and says, I want to work my power through you. I want to make you like me. And making you like me means that you need to die to self. That you might serve others. In the other Gospels, we can read some more details about this day of ministry in Capernaum. It appears from Mark's Gospel that when Jesus had entered Capernaum that day, that he and his disciples, they first went to the synagogue. That was quite often what they would do. We're told that it was on the Sabbath day, and a man was in the synagogue who had an unclean spirit. In other words, he was a man that was demon-possessed. He goes on to tell us, now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and we're told that he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Do you, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's a demon speaking out. And he had it right. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But we're told that Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. I love that. Be quiet, demon. Come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And then we're told, then they were all amazed. Imagine what the disciples were thinking. What they were experiencing walking with Jesus through these times. So that they questioned among themselves and the people that were there in the synagogue questioning among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately we're told his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. He healed and delivered a demon-possessed man there in the synagogue for all to see. Can you imagine a day of ministry with Jesus? Can you imagine the stirring in this city as people were being healed? Demons were being cast out. The word would have spread quickly in this small little village of Capernaum. And just when the disciples thought that the day of ministry was over, 
just when they thought that our ministry is done for the day, we're told that many more came who were demon-possessed, walking in the steps of Jesus. And you see, church, that's ministry. It's ministry to be busy about the Lord's business. Ministry is not always easy. It's difficult at times. It's hard. It's taxing at times. And you know, when this team that's going to Honduras, each day, team members, each day is going to be a new day. Each day is going to have ministry opportunities for you. Each day, there's going to be unexpected divine appointments by God. I'll guarantee it. God never wastes his time. You're not being sent to Honduras just to go on a trip. God has a reason and a plan for each one of you uniquely. And God is going to use each of you. He's going to use you in a different way. You might be doing different works, but you're going to be his hands, you're going to be his feet, you're going to be his mouth. There in Honduras. You're going to go out representing the Lord first. You're also going to go out representing this church, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. But Jesus was not only touching people's lives in Capernaum that day, but he was also teaching and living an example in front of the disciples that they could learn from. They were getting lessons that day in Capernaum, lessons in sacrifice and service. You ever had those kind of lessons? Sacrifice service. They were getting lessons in faith and perseverance. Have you had those lessons in your life? There's going to be busy days for the team in Honduras. I'll guarantee you that. And each one of you that's going on this trip, I think there's eight that are going on this trip, each of you should be going expecting that God is going to use you. Don't say in your mind, I hope that God uses me when I get there. I want you to go there expecting that God is going to use you. That God has a purpose for you in being there. That he's going to open up those divine appointments. He's going to give you opportunity. It's such a wonderful thing to see how God can use us. And when you see and know this wasn't me, I didn't orchestrate this, God did this, it's going to thrill your heart. You're going to come back from this missions trip just knowing that God used you in some way there in the people's lives in Honduras. It's a wonderful thing. In Mark's gospel, as they were there in Peter's house, she had already been healed of her fever by Jesus. 
They were overjoyed and thankful in their hearts for Jesus. And she begins to serve those in the house. And isn't that what we do when we give our lives to Christ? All of a sudden, we have this transformation inside that we start caring more about people, or at least we should, than about ourselves. Here she is, just thankful in heart. She's beginning to serve those in the house. My prayer for this team that's going to Honduras is that when you leave, when you leave North Carolina here, that you're going to leave with an overflow of God's love in your heart. It's going to come from overflow when you arrive. And you know how that will happen? You need to be pre preparing yourself now. Draw close to the Lord now in your devotional time. Spend time with the Lord in prayer. Ask God to speak some things into your heart. Make sure that you're clearing up any areas of your life that are not right. But you're saying, Lord, would you work a fresh work in me? I want to be prepared when I leave this place. We should be doing that every day, not just when we're going on a missions trip. I want to be ready when I arrive. I don't want to miss an opportunity because of my own flesh. I want to be led of you. I want to be full of you. I want it to be an overflow of you. Wouldn't that be a wonderful prayer for all of us before we arrive at church every week? God, that I would come to this place and it would be an overflow of you when I enter those doors. Wow. Every one of you would leave this place totally blessed and overwhelmed with the goodness and the love of our Lord. It's now evening in Capernaum. Things, as I've said, are beginning to calm down. The day is coming to a close. A busy day of ministry is coming to an end. The team of disciples, they may have been relaxing in that home, enjoying some fellowship and enjoying some food with one another. And then they hear a lot of commotion going on outside. They go to the window and they look out and there's this whole crowd of people that have gathered at the door. A whole crowd. I thought the day was over. I thought ministry was done for the day. I can actually see the disciples' faces. As they looked out and saw this multitude of people standing outside. And the reason why I can see their faces is because I've seen those faces on team members. Many times when I've led teams, in the time we were over in Wells, we had 
from nine different Calvary chapels send teams over the course of six years. There were over 800 people that came to Wells in six years on short-term missionary trips. We went out daily ministering, just seeking to share the gospel, doing outreach around, and then we would come back to the place in the evening and then quite often ministry just didn't end when it got evening time. I've seen it in the faces of the team members when they're wiped out and they're tired. And then behold, there's more ministry to do. Some might have complained in heart. Some were ready to go. And you see, that's what we want to be, ready to go. As the disciples looked out that window and saw this multitude of people outside, Lord, there's a whole multitude out there. Can you imagine? Let's go minister. Quite often, that's a missions trip. Jesus was not only touching people's lives, of his great compassion and his love for them, but he was also teaching his disciples the cost of following him. And it will cost you, church. If you say, I want to walk like Jesus walked, it'll cost you. If you're going to follow in his footsteps, it'll cost you. And it's not always just costing us money, material things. It'll cost you your life. It'll cost you your time. It'll cost you in ways that you never thought of. You see, this is one thing that I've learned in my years of ministry, is that God is more concerned about the servant than he is about the service. God is more concerned with what He wants to do in your heart than what you can do for Him. And quite often we can get that backwards. We think that we have everything to offer to God. And God says, I want to work something in you. And yes, you will bless others. But I'm more concerned with what I want to do in your heart. That's my prayer for the team. That you're going to go on this missions trip. And it's going to have an impact upon your life. It's going to come back and affect the way you live for Jesus. It's going to come back, you're going to come back and it's going to affect the way you serve here in this church. Here's some other advice that I might give. If you want to be in ministry, if you say that you want to follow Jesus wherever he leads, then you better be ready to put your hand to the plow. Because Jesus was going for it. Every single day and every moment as the Father led, as the Holy Spirit led. Mark's account tells us in chapter 1, verse 32, that at evening when the sun had set, they brought Jesus and all who were sick 
and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And then Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Wow. Imagine that, having a bunch of people with diseases and demon-possessed outside the door. Keep in mind that this is happening on the Sabbath day, Saturday. And the reason these Jews, probably according to the law, were waiting until evening to bring this mass group of people to the house was because they couldn't do it on the Sabbath. And so here they are bringing the sick, the demon-possessed, to Jesus in the evening. Some have tried to estimate how many people we're talking about. Capernaum, just by archaeology, they believe that this small little village maybe consisted of about 1,500 people. Just small little village. But it says that the whole village was out. That's a lot of people still. It's a big crowd. A lot of people that need to be ministered to. Luke's account, chapter 4, verse 40 says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus and we're told that he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them and the demons also came out of many crying out and saying you are the Christ the son of God and Jesus rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ When I read about this day in Capernaum, again, it made me think again of what it would be like to follow in the steps of Jesus. How many of you have ever experienced being exhausted and wearied as you serve the Lord? As you've served the Lord and as you've served others, people even in this church body. You see, serving is not easy work, is it? Serving others is not easy. How about serving yourself? And yeah, that problem. You get on with that pretty well. But serving others. Putting others first. I watched yesterday as our women gathered for the ladies' tea. If you weren't able to be here, ladies, you missed out. I was here. I partook. I didn't sit in, but I was there. It was all good. But I saw how they pulled it all together. But they pulled it all together with joy. They served one another downstairs in the fellowship hall. And it was an awesome thing to see. 
the body of Christ loving each other and serving each other for their joy. And I believe that God was glorified in it. I've got some pictures of the ladies. You can see them. If you're in the back, you won't see them well. There's some ladies serving in the kitchen there. I love seeing smiles on the faces as people are serving the Lord. There's a few of them here. I think I took about four pictures here that I wanted to show you. Jesus smiles on their face. I love it. I think that the best exhaustion that we can ever experience is when we're serving others. We're seeking to serve the Lord in our serving. And you know what? When you're doing that and you're feeling exhausted and you're tired, it's not even hard. How about if I'm out mowing my lawn on a Saturday? Not as satisfying. But I can serve in this church and I can be exhausted in serving in this church and be fulfilled and happy. It's not the same as mowing the lawn. Jesus says, my burden is light. Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, I have shown you in every way, Paul says of himself, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Have you come to know that? It's more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. To be the one that's giving instead of always being the one that's just receiving. And you see, that's what keeps me going in ministry. I get blessed by serving God and serving you. And I hope that that's what blesses you. Serving God and serving others. I've been on quite a few missions trips through the years. And I love it. I love going into the... I wish I was going on this trip to Honduras. I love giving it all up for Jesus when you're in these settings. Going there to serve, to see what God is going to do. But you don't have to wait for the missions trip. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to see what God will do. Serving others can be the most rewarding times in our Christian walks. And the reason I believe it's so rewarding and such a blessing 
is because our eyes are off of ourselves. Isn't that a refreshing thing to get your eyes off yourself for a moment? You go, huh, that's refreshing. You know, whenever you're just all pent up with a bunch of things going on and you take your eyes off of yourself and your situation, you put them on others, you know that it'll relieve you of a lot of pressure? Try it sometime. Just go the complete opposite direction of what your flesh wants to do. Oh, I can't get around other credit right now. I'm just, you know, I'm going through. Try doing the opposite. And see if it won't have an impact upon you. I got some other pictures that I wanted to show of Honduras. Here's some missionaries from another church there ministering yesterday or over this last week. Doing a VBS. Their eyes are off of themselves and it's on these kids. They're just simply there in the name of Jesus wanting to serve their Lord and to minister to these kids that are out there. It was hard, busy work, a lot. But I can tell you, here they are putting a fence up. All for Jesus. And they're blessed. Pray for David and Hannah Moore, our missionaries there, as they host these teams. and They're going to be hosting our church as we come there shortly. I remember years ago in our church here, we took seven of us to Moore, Oklahoma. Maybe some of you went to that, I don't know. There was an F5 tornado that devastated the city. Our team, when we went, we, we built a shed for a family so that they could put their things in it until their house was rebuilt. We picked up debris in a field, a whole line of us going across this field, picking up debris from the tornado. It was hot. It was humid when we were there. It was long days. We drove for 15 hours to get to Oklahoma one way, 15 hours back to get home. And there weren't very many thank yous when we were there. But the team, we were all serving the Lord with joy. We're doing this for the Lord. We're doing this for Jesus. And that's what makes the difference. In 1 John 3.16 we read, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our life for one another. That missions team needs to be back in here before we end. And I'll be ending fairly quick because we're going to be praying for all of you. So don't head out too quick. There we go. Kyle's going to chase them down. We have, and I'm almost done, we have two men in our church. I want to rob them of their reward. And if they keep the right heart, they won't get robbed. Darren and James in our church here, they faithfully set up a table in that parking lot each week 
from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. to distribute bread to those that would pass by, offering prayer and bread. But to them, it's not about just handing out bread. It's about ministering the love of Jesus Christ. It's about sharing the hope that they have in Christ. And those people that pull into the parking lot that need prayer, they're looking for those divine appointments to minister the love of Christ to them and to share the gospel with them. It's an unthankful job at times. Yet they believe that the Lord has called them to be out there on Saturday morning. And by the way, there's more room. The parking lot's big out there. It'll actually hold all of us. Be open to what the Lord might lead you to do. You might call it crazy. Just do something crazy for the Lord. How many of you are in full-time ministry? Raise your hand. I like that. I am too. But you know what? Every one of you should have raised your hand. We're all in full-time ministry. If you're a born-again Christian, you entered into full-time ministry the day you gave your life to Christ. You said, well, I didn't get paid for it. You don't always get paid. And following Jesus... We do it for our love for him. There's people that are hurting, discouraged inside the church and outside of the church. Marriages that are struggling. People who are sick. People that are in need. And you know what? We as Christians have what God has given to us to minister to those situations. Are you willing to be exhausted for Jesus? That would be a good question. In closing, I believe God has plans for this church, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. I believe that it's for such a time as this, that God wants to pour out his spirit upon each one of us afresh. He wants to pour out his spirit upon our hearts and lives that we would go out and do things for the Lord in the name of the Lord and that we would do it in his power, his strength, that we wouldn't be operating in the flesh, that we would just simply see ourselves as just these pots of clay that God could work through. Paul said so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. That's important. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. 
It's a wonderful thing to experience the power of God using you. Just say, God, would you use me and would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you give me that power from above that I might be a witness and a light and a testimony for you beyond myself that it would be you? living in desperate days as a church. We're living in a time where a lot of the church is going inward. It's going inward. The Word of God is being compromised in a lot of churches today. We don't want to be that church. We want to get outside the walls. We want the Word of God to, to stand as the reason why we're here. We're coming to hear God speak to us through his word. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 5, now hope is not disappoint, does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which he has given to us. God's Holy Spirit in you, his love, God's agape love, his unconditional, sacrificial love being poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. That happened the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Following in the steps of Jesus is not an easy road. There are going to be hard times, difficult times, but I will assure you of this. In my time as a Christian, He's never disappointed. It's always more rewarding to give it all up for the Lord than it is to shrink back and not do anything for the Lord. And so I encourage you in that. And so let's have the Honduras team come up. Let's have uh, Patrick and Efren and Darren also come up. The reason I'm wanting them to come up, they minister to our youth, and there's a couple of youth that are going on this missions trip. I want them to lay hands on these youth, and I want you to see the faces of those that answered the call when we put it out there, hey, we want to take a missions trip to Honduras, and these are the ones that felt the Lord leading them in their heart to step forward in faith, put their name on a list, and say, I'm just an earthen vessel. <laughs> what can I give? But I can tell you that God is going to use each one of them. And so we need to, as a church, we need to pray for them corporately, and we'll do that now. We need to also, and I don't know what the number is right now. It was put out a while back of what, how much we're still looking to raise, but let me let me say this. The very first missions trip that I told you about that I went on, it was somebody in our church that I don't know to this day that sent a $100 deposit money that was needed to our church office in my name and said, I want Greg to go on this missions trip with no name put to it. They simply put it on that that check for Greg Griffin to go to the Philippines. That still, that resonated in my mind that, you know what? God is in this. And I know that these that are going here that are raising money and some of them trying to acquire money different ways, they're trusting the Lord. 
But we're not just sending out these eight. We're going, all of us are going to Honduras. And how we're going is we're going in our support. We're going to pray for them daily as a church. And we should be supporting them financially. They're putting up some of their own monies. And some of those monies have come uh, through your giving already. We've had a significant amount of money already given by this body for this team. And you're taking part in it. Part in it. And so I encourage you when we go down today and we have opportunity to, to uh, go on and pay for the meal via our website. There's a tab on there where you can just go ahead and log in and pay for it. We had that suggested donation of, of how much for an adult and how much for a kid. Fifteen for an adult. Twelve for, adult, Twelve for an adult, six for a, a kid to go. But you know what? Whatever the Lord leads you, because every bit of the money that is raised is going to go towards this team going to Honduras. So let the Lord guide you and lead you in that. And so let's all stand. We're going to pray for the team. And then what we'll do is uh, we're not going to close in a song because the team, they're going to get down. They're going to start preparing. We can all just fellowship together, hang out just for a little bit. Let them get things going down there. And then we'll all head down uh, to have a meal together. So let's all pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, if you lead us, if you guide us, Lord, and even in these decisions, Lord, those that have heard your call, heard your voice, to put it out of